Fullerton is next. Doors open on the left at Fullerton. How about Chicago? I could be there. Hello, welcome to Foul Monkeys. This is Ricky. This is Adam. And this is Catherine. A little closer to the microphone. This is Catherine. Um, You're listening to episode 724. We record out of Chicago, Illinois, in the Rogers Park area. Bang, bang. Good job. Um, you guys, this show I think might be a little more serious because we just had some discussion prior to recording this show. Yeah. We go, oh no, we gotta stop. We gotta talk about it on the show. Mm-hmm. So um, again, we have Catherine on the show. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, and we were just talking about um, gender inequalities and uh, inequalities within the gay community. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about your experience in Boys Town mm-hmm. because it's it's similar to probably mine. Mm-hmm. I hate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you guys, Boys Town is like the gay area in Chicago. Um, I'm sure you've heard of it. I mean, it's talked about all it the is, time. It is. It's mm-hmm. relatively well known. Um, it's just everything is like gay. It's super gay, which is fine. <laughs> it's just the part of the uh, city where all everyone goes mm-hmm. you know that even straight people or people that whatever for gay know, tourism you gay go tourism yes. that's where you go that's where like, at parties oh <laughs> yes that's yes. where at parties mm-hmm. yeah. oh let's go to the boys town yeah um and oh. it's very much what the i don't know like the disney definition of gay is kind mm-hmm. of um, like all the disney prints yeah if, if you're pretty white and fit fit mm-hmm. boys town is kind of where the you place go. for you yeah yeah mm-hmm. and, and it's also like that's if that's your idea of what being gay is as presented by a lot of mainstream media which mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. um then that's where you go yeah yeah it's i mean i i identify as a queer woman and which means a whole bunch of things but that i just i like who i like and that's that's what happens right. mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm attracted to whatever i'm attracted to um but like I and having recently like figured this out in the past several years, I I don't feel comfortable going to Boys Town, and I have a ton of friends who are different on on the scale of LGBTQIA, and like do not feel comfortable going there because it is this very like pop cultural definition of like oh the pretty gays and and just kind of like fit thin bodies. There's no like body acceptance and body positivity in that space right. and also just like being like a white man and like like what happens when like people of color come in and what happens when trans people come in and it's just it's it's unfortunate that like that used to be when boys town became boys town i think it's the first city not first city first area in the country that was designated like as an lgbtqia area by mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. um that like it used to be this kind of radicalized place and it's kind of fizzled out to be this very commercialized it's been gentrified it's been gentrified yes yeah like too far though yeah Yeah. it's like very specific now i don't so like i want to say like when i was coming out 
and I watched one of my first experiences was actually watching Queer as Folk, and I would sneak it when I was babysitting. Oh, God, that's totally um, when you were like babysitting. Wrong... I babysat my cousins, <laughs> and they would go to bed, and my aunt and uncle would stay out and get hammered. <laughs> and then they would come home, and I would just sleep over and sleep on the couch. But they had Showtime, and I didn't have Showtime. Yeah. Um, and I would watch Queer as Folk, and um, I was like, Oh my God, is this what it's like? I'm gonna have to lose weight. Like, kind of like. It's totally the wrong example to yeah, use. I it mean, is, and it was no one knew. I grew yeah. up in Pittsburgh and it's set in Pittsburgh and I was like oh my god like number one I'm gonna get so much dick mm-hmm. like <laughs> god there is and like so much out there <laughs> number two like I am all of these people are beautiful mm-hmm. um but and that that kind of was my expectation and I think that's also what I forced myself to be a little bit when I first mm-hmm. started coming out was like frosted tips tight clothes I'm gonna wear like I wore body glitter like uh-huh. I was like super I need to listen to this kind of music I need to dress this kind of way I need to dress at Abercrombie mm-hmm. I need to dress um at, at Express and like I was very like tight clothes preppy right. like the definition of like mm-hmm. a twink yeah mm-hmm. so yeah to speak which is like I don't and I think there's a fine line between like shaming like somebody who likes that mm-hmm. and somebody who thinks that that's how everybody should be. Yeah. I. All right. So I wish that we lived in a world where we did not have to use any type of label. We could mm-hmm. just all be a person. Right. Exist. That's the ideal world. Yeah. You know. But I mean, we can't even get that really for animals yet. So I doubt if humans are going to be. Uh, you know, getting that in. Mac Duff soon. is a little bit racist. He doesn't right. like blonde dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm serious. That's he does, hysterical. He doesn't like like golden retrievers or like yellow oh labs. Yeah. Wow. That's weird. I mean, I my my roommate's dogs pancakes hate small dogs. Yeah. <laughs> like really, really. Sizes. Yeah, sizes. I mean, sizes. Yeah, body positivity pancakes. <laughs> like your name is pancakes. Like come right. on, right. dog. <laughs> Um, so I still struggle with like label too low, too high. Go lower. Like, there you go. Better. <laughs> That's better. Okay. Um. Sometimes I just don't know what to say to people, mm-hmm. and I find interesting in your post on Facebook because you do like labels of people, but it's not you're not like insulting or anything. You're just like telling a story or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I just wanted to get your take on uh, being a queer woman and how you feel in this world. And you were just speaking about how uh, white women want to be all equal, but then they can't realize that mm-hmm. there are people, there are women Their that are struggling. Their experience. experience is different. Exactly. Um, so I, I am lucky enough to have a very queer family, like my own, my like. Like my aunt, I hope I'm I'm not outing anyone here, just so everyone knows. Um, my aunt and my uncle got married uh, before my uncle transitioned, uh, a week before Prop Eight was voted on in California, and so oh, wow. yeah, so their marriage was legal at the time. And then um, last year he transitioned and is living this lovely life, and um, and my mom is like very as as you both know because you both know my mother yeah. is very susceptible of like queer like culture and like loves drag shows but also like is really becoming like a radicalized individual which I'm like so proud of especially having uh, this queer family yeah. um but I also just like I have friends who are 
um, genderqueer and trans and just non-binary, non-bi, so non-binary. Sometimes I need, I need a lot. No, no, no. So non-binary are people who identify as not female or male. So the binary is male or female. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's bi meaning two. So that we have these two identifications that have been around for years and years and years. But there's and actually like seven different sexes. Like exactly. Naturally, naturally I, yes. I know, I know that because I took a, some kind of anatomy class or something and I <laughs> learned that. Yeah. That there are like seven actual sexes of mm. humans and animals. So. Yeah. And it's kind of along the lines of like what you were saying about labels, like that that these two labels have been so embedded in our history and that mm-hmm. we have to identify as female or male and we can't we can't spread out beyond that whereas like there are days that even as a woman i feel more butch than i do femme and it it changes per day like i mean right. there's there's no <laughs> i don't know what i'm going to wake up to every day <laughs> um but that that the like the definitions are endless and like it would be lovely if we could live in a labelless world and we just all existed together no matter what and right. just accepted everyone for who they are. But unfortunately, like we're in this world where like these two labels are so like embedded in, in our in our upbringing and our and just our history that it's like it's hard to divulge. And now we're kind of seeing this this slow divulgent culture of like people being like i don't identify as either of these or i identify as both of these or like i'm just gonna be whoever the hell i want and that's what it is and um so it's it's i mean like i use she her pronouns Mm -hmm. um pronouns are like how you say oh Catherine, she's like really had a lot of coffee today (laughs) um but i also do use they them pronouns and it's more about me wanting other people to feel comfortable in using my pronouns that i like have these two options but i also just i i like the option of just existing between these two things but also exhausting existing beyond the the binary right so they them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so let me understand this so you could say Instead of Catherine, she likes coffee, you would say Catherine, they like coffee? Yes, yes. And then them, like, where does that work in? Is that when you're talking about multiple? Well, just like they and them is yeah. kind of like a plural, right? Yes, yeah. So, you kind of have to repurpose sorry, it in I'm your like mind. It's, it's no, it's no, a, no. <laughs> you're, the good thing Maybe is... Maybe some people are learning. Too, yeah, so. no, the good thing is, is you're learning and you're mm-hmm. willing to learn, which I, I was actually in a rehearsal room a few months ago with the director and we were talking about some subtext in a play because that's what we do as theater people. We're so pretentious. We just think all these fun things. (laughs) Sorry, theater. (laughs) I do theater too. (laughs) Um, um, But like we were talking and this director made this joke about being like, oh, in this moment is your character genderqueer and using they, them pronouns. And it was just kind of like this passive, like jokey moment. And then a lot of the older people in the room we're like, yeah, that's like not grammatically correct and da 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 da. And to me, I'm like, you should respect someone's existence no matter if it's grammatically correct or <laughs> right, not. Right, right, right. And like, if you don't, then you have a problem and you need to check yourself. And like, it was interesting because there were queer people in the room and I could tell that 
like we those of us who identify as queer or like on that spectrum were kind of silent and just like felt really uncomfortable and right. somewhat unsafe in that space i still i find it kind of odd that there are people in the theater community that are conservative like that like i just kind of think that that's like a fluid kind of um, in an ideal world i mean we've in the past few years within the chicago theater community we've had some really tough discussions happening when it even not even just comes to gender but to race Race. and to Uh inclusivity in spaces that are predominantly inhibited by i mean inhabited by white people and like cisgendered people cisgendered Mm -hmm. meaning that you were born female and you are you exist as a female yes Um, so it's, we've had a lot of tough conversations in the past few years that have been necessary and it's lovely that we're having them, but I look at like San Diego theater and they're not having those conversations and they're kind of stuck in a lurch and you see roles that are written for trans characters or genderqueer characters that are being played by like white straight people. And it's like, why are we not having them tell their own stories? And especially now that everything's like more like coming out in the open and people are talking about it it should be more accepted that if if there's a trans uh need or an actor a need for a trans actor we have plenty of trans people now that are visible and that have a voice so they should be used for well i think it's also an issue with um a little bit of safety and availability because it it is a much safer place in the world for um people who identify as trans and queer, Mm -hmm. um, it is still far less safe for them than, say, any of us Mm -hmm. that are sitting in this room right now. Um, So I think the availability of trans performers um, needs to increase. Mm -hmm. Like, I I think we need to make it okay for people who do identify as trans or um, queer or, you know, any other um, subset of identification um, to come to these auditions mm-hmm. we but i like as speaking as somebody in the chicago theater community as well yeah. um and not to the controversies that have happened in the chicago theater community have been addressed over and over and over again um and not to go there but like there's a lot of like oh well we tried like yeah. we put we put it out there we asked for puerto ricans or yeah. we asked for like <laughs> trans people and it's like no well then you don't do your show no. unless you have the people that are right for the part yeah mm-hmm. you have to make the effort when it comes to casting yes. and and inclusivity i mean like there are a lot of season announcements coming out for this upcoming season right now, and a lot of a lot of theater companies are like, "Oh, we have the one play that's written by a black playwright, and that's our diversity quota right there. Cool, we're good. Check, check." <laughs> and it's like, no, you have to you have to go beyond that, and you have to ask yourself why is this bias embedded in your season planning and your casting. And like, well, why is this happening? So like, as a a, a white cisgendered performer Mm -hmm. I get like the internal pushback for me like I'm like there's gonna be less for me to do true but there's been so much for like people like me to do over Mm -hmm. the past like hundreds of years that like I have to like take a step back and be like okay it's okay Adam like you're not (laughs) it it doesn't matter if there are gonna be less roles for you Mm -hmm. like there are still number one gonna be roles for you because you're a white dude and like (laughs) like for years and years and years it's been like white dude city true so like you know what I mean so I get like the little bit of like because I've been like oh like I can't audition for this I can't audition for that 
that I can't like, there's not going to be as many opportunities for me, but you know, that's better for the community at large. Yeah. I think. And it's interesting too, having like been on like a casting person for a few years now and seeing this transition happen and um, having dear, dear friends of mine who are trans individuals, who are genderqueer individuals, who are actors and having shows being put on with numerous queer individuals in those casts and having them kind of get pushed aside because it's like, oh, we tried and like they came, but like they weren't what we wanted. And it's like, okay, I think you need to get off your high and mighty horse and look past of like there's this whole stigma of lack of training and um and oh this person doesn't have a degree in theater and like they have a few credits but like but like we're gonna go with this like white man instead of like a trans individual for a trans character and it's like okay why is that okay for you why do you feel like that's okay for you and like for the longest time the theater and also just just film and television in general has been so closed like we've never really opened that door completely Mm -hmm. and we're now opening that door, not just to queer individuals, but also to differently abled individuals and to like, and to being more inclusive in a larger scale than just, than just what we have been doing for the past several years. And it's just the excuses I hear are like, Oh, we didn't have that many trans and queer actors like a year ago. And it's like, no, you did, but you just, you push them aside because they don't have a BFA in theater from DePaul. Right. If you, (laughs) if you only have one person show up, and they show up and you need it who cares like let them be in the part and, and prove themselves right i mean i mean i'm sure it's all about being trained and you can mm-hmm. learn things but if you have a person that is naturally fit for the part i think they're probably more well emotional you also have to question what your idea of that character is i think yeah. because if you have a preconceived notion that you want somebody who has theater training and you want somebody who is um, you know, maybe like a, a cisgendered um, performer to come in and present as trans. Mm-hmm. That's different than casting, like having an idea of an actual trans actor in that role yeah. or having like somebody who is differently abled in that role. Yeah. So is it okay? Like, let's say you're asking a trans person to come. Let's say you need a white trans person, mm-hmm. but the only person that comes is like an African-American trans person. You should just accept, I mean, it, it should be okay to say, yes, fine, we'll accept you. Mm-hmm. Just I think because it, it's going to depend it, on mm-hmm. the requirements of the role, because there are things that, like, I'm, I'm not going to get cast in something, like, if... if if I were presenting as trans, if I if that was my experience and I showed up and it was something that required the experience of that person to be white or to be African-American, then mm-hmm. that would not fly, I don't think. Yeah. And I also question if you if you put the show in your programming and you think that you can get this cast and that you can't get this cast and like you need to choose shows that you can cast and that right. you can be conscious of and. I actually had a friend recently who who is a genderqueer trans individual who like they're like, we'd love to use you. And unfortunately, like they're busy doing something else because they're fucking talented and like <laughs> like are booking it. But like, why? Why is it so difficult for that director or that person to like think that, oh, I've got this like token trans person and like that's the only person I can cast. It's like, no, 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 no. Like you have a plethora of people and. Like, they may not be, like, what you want. Like, they may not have a great degree or, like, great training. But, like, that is why you're a director is because you, right. you, you, that's your freaking job. Direct. And- but it's even kind of, like, 
to me the whole degree thing it's like I hate when people think because you have a degree that means you're better than a person that like actually trained in a job for 20 years yeah. and knows how to do it because there's plenty of people in Hollywood that don't have a fucking degree but mm-hmm. they're super famous and they were naturally gifted this gift of well actually being beautiful is basically why a lot of them have their jobs yeah. but most of the, some of them don't even have high school education yeah yeah so that doesn't mean like degree just don't mean shit matter. anymore right and I think as a casting, like coming from a casting perspective, like that is something that has like been in the back of my mind is like, I, I look at your degree and like on your resume, when you hand me your headshot on your resume, when you come into an audition and I'm like, cool, I know some of your teachers, but like, other than that, like, I don't care. I want to see what you're doing in this room and what you're going to present to me right now. And if you're correct for this part, and that is what I'm looking at. I think that in some respects, like the, the, why I went to grad school is for networking, Mm -hmm. um, which makes no sense now because I went to grad school in the UK. So, (laughs) um, here I am in Chicago. Um, but also, um, there is a sense of, I think for some casting directors of, commitment when they see like oh you have an MFA Mm -hmm. like you are committed enough to acting to get that advanced degree so that does say something in some respects but Mm -hmm. also it is what you're gonna do in the room and whether or not you're right for it yeah Mm -hmm. believe me I uh, it's gonna sound really shady and hopefully not a lot of my classmates listen to this we don't really talk (laughs) some of of them are like famous now and on like Netflix shows so like they don't listen there's not I don't think there's a lot of local people that listen to this so you're cool um but uh but, like, I, I have some friends who, like, are lovely individuals, like, went to DePaul with me to get their BFA in acting and, like, are, like, not the most talented human beings in the world. And I, mm. like, and some of them have honestly left acting because I think they realized the passion wasn't in it for them. And I think that's a big part of what it means to be successful as a as an artist is to be passionate about your work. But also, like, they just, they weren't, like, they weren't someone who I wanted to use in a show and... I think degrees are all about, like, money. Do you have the money to pay for the degree? And, like, do you have the ability to get access to a college degree? Which is another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, yeah, I think commitment. Like, I'm looking at my master's programs right now, but I'm looking at doing something like performance as public. What is it called? Oh, my God. I forgot the degree program. But, like, <laughs> it's, like, using theater Probably and, like... Probably a sticker shock of how expensive it is. Uh, actually, no. It's not. Texas. Oh, really? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, at, I'm looking at UT Austin right now. Like, they're, like, a, it's a really interesting MFA program. But, like, it's... it's It really is, like, commitment. But also, I, I want to know, like, I really, really care about if you come into that room and if you're welcoming and if you present to me someone who I, A, want to work with... B, you have talent and you have passion. And, like, if you walk into a room and you have, like, a master's degree in Yale and you're just so into yourself and so egotistical that, like, I just don't want to deal with you, I don't want that in the room. I don't want to spend a month with that. I don't want to, like, feed your ego and your, like, like, student debt. (laughs) And you're just like, I went to Yale, but it's okay because I'm $100,000 in debt. And I'm like, oh, God, that's a down payment on a house. Like, why? Welcome to my world. I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Are you, like, one of those people that, like, a person walks into the room and in like three seconds they're in the song. You're like, no, you're out. Oh Leave. no, I will never do that. I will let them. I will let them do their audition. But uh-huh. like, I've definitely had a few people who, as soon as they walk into the room, I know who they are, 
and I know I know what they're gonna give me and I also like the thing that people don't realize is that casting folks like talk to Ed, like we talk to each other we talk to past directors and we like get that information we're like are they good to have in a room because I don't want them to like bash other actors and like be divas right, right, in the right. space but like I mean I'd I would much prefer I mean even when it comes to musical theater I would much prefer a good actor who's a some like as who's like an okay singer versus right. like someone who's an incredible singer who's like an eh like a not great actor but mm-hmm. it's I mean I think it's it's difficult and like I I look at that person who walks in the room and I'm like okay you're here this may be a very different audition for you than you've ever had before. And like auditioning is the job. That is what, yeah. that is the work that you have to do. And doing the show is the gift that you give yourself if you do a good job in the audition room. But yeah, it's, I, I'm trying to like take away that stuff. <laughs> you guys are like brave. Cause I could never like, I'm like stressing out cause I have a job interview on Wednesday, which is kind of like the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I, like I could never do that over and over and over again. Have that stress. You get used to it. Yeah. I would just like. And uh, also the it stress just gives is me ulcers to think about. It's <laughs> fun. <laughs> like I like having the stress and having the challenge and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have some uh, we have some questions for Ooh. you, but, but first we did get some listener feedback about straight women given handies and stuff oh, like remember yeah wow. yeah so i did get to read those we have um a lady listener who's straight i don't want to say her name because some of the stuff she said is kind of mm, racy controversial she said <laughs> i can't put this in a public tweet <laughs> but you better believe there are straight girls out there that have sucked dick in a public bathroom hashtag not all girls snaps <laughs> there's do you remember the song um the Humpty Dance. Mm-hmm. The I Humpty once got busy in a Burger King bathroom. Oh. <laughs> That's a lyric from that. Oh, I thought you literally. Oh, meant did that. I? Mm, no, not a Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I responded back. Um, I said, "Oh my God, this cracked me up." Um, but we had we had a feeling it was true. Yeah. But you know, I kind of think we're all sexual beings, so we just pretty much all do the same thing. There's a reason we were made this way. Right. <laughs> Um, she and she continued to say, you know, ask questions. I'm willing to answer. Um, you could talk about it on the show. I just can't publicly say that I suck dick, no matter where it is. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's because of like public stuff. Yeah, like, her profession and stuff. So, um, and so I asked her. I said, um, I said, hey, at least you're a woman that admits it. Mm-hmm. Why are women so? This sounds horrible, but. Why are women so prudish when it comes to doing the act? Which I can understand sometimes it's probably not the most pleasant situation for some mm-hmm. women. So, you know, and some women feel it's degrading, I guess, too. So, but there are some women that enjoy it. Yeah. It We're depends. talking about blowjobs? Uh, yeah. Oh. It also depends on the partner. Like, yeah. how do they treat you when, when, when right. yeah, yeah, exactly. My mom doesn't like it. Because my mom. <laughs> <laughs> When I talked to my mom about, like, when I was first coming out, um, my mom was like, I don't like putting it in my mouth. And I was like, okay, well, maybe you're doing it wrong. I don't know. Yeah. And so she answered. She said, I guess they don't like it. That's a hard limit for a minority of straight women. Most will do it. Some enjoy it. And few have made an art of it. Oh. (laughs) It's not like with two men where it's an easy quid pro quo swap. 
for a woman to receive oral sex, it can't usually be accomplished in a situation like that. As there's a whole lot more to it. Women bring a suitcase to oral sex. And I was like, that's going to be the title of the show. Oh my God, I love her. (laughs) Whoever you are, you are amazing. Um, Yeah, I guess you really can't. That would be. You you can't. Well, I guess you can perform a cunnilingus in a Burger King bathroom. But it's going to be harder to accomplish. And also, like it. (laughs) I it has been my experience as somebody who has intermittently performed cunnilingus. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it takes longer. Like I can get a guy off pretty quickly, but right. like mm-hmm. you got a a woman, you have to yeah. Well, you have to... as we have a woman in the room. That's that true. Can speak about it, so we <laughs> mom turn it off right now. <laughs> um, I mean, like you do, you like it. It is a very like there's a lot of stuff down there, and yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to play with. And, <laughs> Um, and you, there's care and precision that has to go into it. And yeah, I, I don't know if I'd ever try it in a Burger King bathroom. <laughs> like I'm a very tall human being too. So there's uh, a lot of lag involved as well. That's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe if I were shorter, I don't know. <laughs> um, she continued to say all of this public dick sucking took place 30 ish years ago, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, she, <laughs> When I was a slutty high school student, which um, we all are. I was right. never a slutty high school student. I was not. Oh, oh. Mm. Well, yeah. That's sad. We had, I had my experiences, let's right. say, but I wasn't, I didn't really discover myself until I was like <laughs> 19, probably. Oh, okay. yeah. I was with like one person on and off in high school, so it was oh, pretty okay. consistent. I guess I'm the minority. <laughs> mm-hmm. I lived in a small town. Okay. Mm-hmm. Get it. Um... I did my worst stuff in a small town high school. Mm, okay. Um, I went to college in Austin and had a gay older high school friend who introduced me to the gay nightclub scene in the late 80s. I also had a, I think I'm gay, but I want to sleep with a girl just to see if I like it. Sex with that same friend mm-hmm. when we were both in high school. Um, his was not the dick I sucked in the men's room, though. <laughs> <laughs> she said oversharing. And I said, we would talk, you know, is it okay to talk about this on the show? She said, yes. And she goes, oh, I also gave a boyfriend a hand job in a dance floor at a concert at a country dance hall. Oh, my God. I was a grown up lady of 23 when I did it. He was a ginger, my one and only. <laughs> <laughs> we all need one in our right. life at well, some point. That's well, that's what she said. And I was like, I said, you just made us so proud. We're so happy. <laughs> Um, and then she said, girls totally have a checklist for the types of guys we've had or would like to have sex with. Ginger is on there, along with things like first responder, military, <laughs> guy of a different race from me, oh. married dude, just like the gay guys, probably gay, definitely gay, way too old, teacher, professor, etc. <laughs> huh. she, has a, she has a good checklist. She does. I'm pretty sure I've done most of those. Oh, I'm sure you have. <laughs> I've probably double check offs there, but um, just you go, you, lady. Just because you checked it off once, yeah. don't mean you have to check it off. No, and, you know, never again. Right. Well, in sex positivity, like you do you, and just just be safe. Right. Just be yeah. smart and safe. Um. So thank you for responding, and I love the fact that it was like it was a a lady listener. We, I don't know really how many we have, but we have several. And, and they, you know they normally respond to us more than like our common listeners. I'm very proud of the um, 
jerking somebody off on a dance floor because that's in like a country a, hall in a in a country country hall i, I thought country it was like a hall like a, like it was like a concert like a country concert like a dance like where they were she said a hand job on the dance floor at a concert at a country dance hall well yeah wow i did it once my <laughs> mom do it turn your head don't listen um <laughs> uh i my ex in high school like loved playing video games like he was a huge gamer and so he would like play halo and i would just like jerk him off like while he was playing halo (laughs) and then like i think once we like were in the backseat of a car with a bunch of our like it was me him and then someone else and then a bunch of our friends were in the front seat and like we had a blanket over us and i did it back there it was great yeah you're good people (laughs) thank you thank you um i feel like because i've I don't think I've ever jerked anybody off on a dance floor, but I feel like that's like an ancient gay art because I have mm-hmm. lots of friends who have been like totally just jerked off that guy like while we were dancing. And I'm like, what? And um, I remember somebody I was dancing with once when I was much, much younger. Um, we were like, like dancing and they like boop, hand down my pants uh-huh. and like they tried to do it. And I was like, I'm not okay with this because I was like 18. Mm-hmm. Also, I kind of feel like I need to concentrate a little bit more when that happens. Mm. I don't like, it's not like I can be dancing and then all of a sudden, like I can still keep dancing while someone's giving a handy. Uh, well, I'm I feel like, like when I was 18 though, honestly, somebody could have just like tapped me on the shoulder and I would have come. Right. So like, it's <laughs> yeah. I also feel like if you don't have that much space to move your hand, you're more likely to cramp than you right. are. Oh, yeah. And like, that's, that's the thing is like, I like, the first few times I did it with my boyfriend in high school, like, like I would just like get, I forget what they call it, like claw hand or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like heard someone refer to that and I would be like, this is so exhausting. And so I just like, yeah. had to switch hands. But like, I think in like, it's like hands, a tarry hand. Yeah. You, yeah. Oh, well, you guys are too young for that, but. Like, like playing the tar uh, yeah, yeah. you would I be know. like, oh my God. But like skinny jeans, like that does not allow a lot of space no, for that. No, that's true. <laughs> thankfully skinny jeans weren't a thing in my developmental years so um (laughs) there were no such thing as skinny jeans when i was all all jeans were skinny jeans when you were young because it was like what the 80s they were oh i was a small kid in the 80s (laughs) i was not a teenager until the 90s so like jenko jeans yes there were all we had jenko yeah yeah you know oh you could totally jerk somebody off in jenko jeans (laughs) i mean you could but no (laughs) um so then we have some questions just in general Mm -hmm. for um us and the same person that wrote us back or the same person that's asking these questions so um would you rather spend the rest of your life in a zoo a library or a museum a library library yeah i would have to say the zoo (laughs) although it'd probably be a lot of heartache Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, because animals pass away yeah. it's a lot sooner. But a library, I, I mean, I need a little bit more um, <laughs> attention span for that. Oh. I can't. Like, I try to read. I try, I do try to read a lot yeah. more. But I can't really do it. I get constantly So if we're saying, like, library and it's, like, books only, I'd still pick library. But also libraries have, like, great media centers. True. The one downtown in Chicago is pretty good. The uh, Harold Washington. Yeah, that's a yeah. good one because it's kind of like a museum and a 
library all yeah. at once. I was spoiled. The libraries in Pittsburgh are nuts. Mm-hmm. They're so good. They had a recording room in there. You can go and record your shows for free. Oh, really? Yeah, I think it's like on the third or fourth floor. Interesting. Ooh. I went in there. I don't know why I was at the library. I was there doing something. <laughs> I was looking for something. And I saw the room and I was like, oh. That's amazing. That's cool. Interesting. Um, if you were a leader of a nation, would you rather be loved or feared by your people? Loved. Oh, no. Mm. Oh, oh, Adam. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. As a, I'm trying to think of the context of. Oh, sorry. I, I'm, I'm going to keep moving <laughs> with the microphone. What are you doing? What? trying to move over the pressure mat so i can (laughs) um it depends on like what the situation is in your country at that time i would i would say like you know what i mean like if you're if you're having a lot of like insurgents or whatever i'd probably prefer to be feared but i think in the context of like if i was a u.s leader i'd prefer to be loved oh yeah (laughs) do you think donald trump is loved right now no god no I mean, some people, some people love him, but like, that's all like the alt right, aka Nazis. But I don't even know if they love him as president. I think they love him as like apprentice. True. And just because he's rich, yeah. I don't think they love him because he's like a good leader. I mean, if he's not a good leader, if that healthcare gets taken away, a lot of those people who voted for him are not going to be happy. Nope. I don't want Obamacare. I love how people are like they the Affordable Care Act. They're all about it, and then they're like, "But I don't want Obamacare." And you're like, "No, it's the same thing." They're like, "No, it's not." And I'm like, "No, I promise you, it's the same thing." thing. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) I I could go into further. I'm pretty sure you probably agree with the same. Oh, you know. With our distaste of oh, the person that's yes. president right I now. Was a, I was a Bernie supporter for uh-huh. a very long time and switched to Hillary when I when I needed to. Right. But yeah, no, 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 no. I actually, I have family, I have some family members who did vote for Trump and mm-hmm. we're going to have some tough decision, decisions, not decisions, discussions when I potentially go home for my high school reunion this year. Wow. We're going to talk about some stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't publicly know. I kind of figure who voted for trump in my family Mm -hmm. but i have not asked because i don't want to be angry yeah so keep it to yourself you're fine (laughs) (laughs) um but you know i it's just really hard to deal with that is like this this presidential election was like monumental for people's like relationships i think yeah i mean it caused a lot of fractures i have friends who have not talked to certain members of their family since it happened like that are completely removed from their family because of it yeah which is understandable i mean like if you have a certain story and a certain background and your family is like we're gonna vote for this man who like spews hatred of anyone who's not like a white skinny straight person person. yeah rich person then like it just mm, it's not good you don't want that in your life um this person leslie asks i'm new to twitter who do you follow? Wait, who do you follow that I should follow and why? Do you do Twitter? Oh, I do do Twitter. Okay. Oh. Um, I follow a lot of the BuzzFeed editors, which is really a weird <laughs> niche group of individuals. But a lot of them post really funny stuff that is not BuzzFeed associated. And some of it's pretty radical. 
Um, I will say I also follow Mark Duplass, who oh, is yeah. yeah, he's an actor mm-hmm. um, and also like producer writer. I also just have like a big fat crush on him. Like he's amazing. Um, but him, his brother Jay is on uh, Transparent. He plays the son of of uh, Jeffrey. They do Tambor's a lot of work character. together. Yeah, they've made a few movies together. Um, but I just, he's amazing. He's really funny, and like, I also follow like a ton of Broadway people, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Audra, Audra uh, McDonald. I was just watching her. What was she on? Like The Viewer for Beauty and the Beast because she's in Live that. with Kelly or something. <sighs> since I've been off all week, I've been watching a lot of Live with Kelly. I'm really bad because I don't know a lot of theater stuff. So when you like mention someone, I'm like, oh, uh, uh, okay. Audra was on The West Wing mm-hmm. and what was that spinoff of Grey's Anatomy that? Oh, Private Practice. Yeah, she was on Private Practice. She was on Private Practice. Was she married to Tay Diggs at one point on that show? On Private Practice, maybe. I don't know. But she's basically like God's gift to the performing arts. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. She's amazing. Is she from Chicago or no? No. You'll she. It's funny. So she plays the wardrobe in the Beauty and the Beast movie, mm-hmm. and um, they have her like sing. Apparently, Beauty and the Beast at the very end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because, like, a lot of those people are, like, pretty decent singers, but yeah. she comes in on Beauty and the Beast and you're like, oh, this is what, like, a legit singer <laughs> with operatic training sounds like. Uh, <laughs> She's an angel. I want to see that movie. It seems interesting. I've heard good things. Um, um, yeah, I've heard mostly good things. I've also heard that there's a lot of obvious auto-tuning. Yes. Which oh, me- Emma, Emma Watson? Yeah. Yeah. She has a lot of auto-tuning. Lovely person, though. I yeah, really, really yeah. love her as yeah. a person, but I heard some stuff and I was like, whoo, this is really obvious. Yeah. Is, who plays the Beast? Is it somebody I would know? Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey. Abbey. Also Legion. Wait, which one? Which part was he in? He Cousin was Matthew. Cousin Matthew, Aww. who dies. Oh, sorry. Spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> sorry. He, I loved him. He, like, lost a ton of weight after that show. Yeah. He's so sexy. Like, him on legion like i'm just in love i need to watch legion yeah i need to because i'm an x-men guy it's really really good I know. it's so aesthetically beautiful too like ugh. but the one thing about the song that they wrote for him called evermore that josh groban actually covers on the oh. uh, on the like album that they put out of all the music is they like he's got a really lovely singing voice but they make him sound like the beast with the song. And so it sounds really ridiculous when you've got this singing beast voice. <laughs> and you're just like, you sound really good. But I can't like stop laughing at the idea of like a beast with like a really weird voice is singing this song <laughs> to like a human girl. I don't know. It's just, it's an, I really hope they release like an actual version of him just singing it. But Oh, maybe like an outtake. Yeah. I follow a lot of people on Twitter. I, I don't... I'm literally not choosy or I'm like obsessed. I was obsessed with Donald Trump for a while just mm-hmm. to see his like stupid shit that he would post, but I had to remove him completely. It was like, I get enough of him in the news. I don't want to follow that and see it, you know? I'm bad at tweeting. So I'm like, yeah, look, I'm like trying to look at like who I follow and it's literally us. You follow I, have, I, have, <laughs> I have one that is good. So Lauren Duca, who I don't know if, I know that name. Yeah, she wrote the she writes for Teen Vogue, which is actually like oh, becoming yeah, 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 a yeah, radical yeah. Oh my publication. God, it's so good. Um, she's the one who wrote the article about Trump gaslighting the entire country, yes. and she's brilliant. I would follow her because she just she posts a lot of political things, but is also like um, really witty. Do you think? Because I've been considering subscribing to Teen Vogue, but I'm afraid it's like a mid thirties 
man that would look weird no i say do it they're really really like changing publication i'm all for supporting print media Mm -hmm. so we have to i feel like that would be a really good place to do it yeah but yeah oh and you know the media is all sucky right now like we're all all, we're all liars yeah and then i also my friend jabuki um who i actually went to college with uh he has become like an overnight instagram sensation he is um uh, a stand-up comedian, but he also like did acting for a bit. But his Instagram feed, like he'll post some really funny pictures. I'm trying to pull up like one of his little pictures. So he took a picture of a succulent and posted, <laughs> "I damaged this poor baby suck while rescuing it up my sleeve at Home Depot. We hurt the things we love the most." <laughs> and like he has twenty thousand followers. Jesus. What's his name? Uh, Jabuki. It's just at J A B O U K I E. You should pay me for that. <laughs> Wait, J A B U J A B O U K I E. And then he just posted a picture, not just, but he posted a picture of Michael Jackson like walking away with his face covered. He said me tweeting when there's text I still haven't replied to. <laughs> yeah, it's just like great if you, you really Yeah. Wow, he does have a lot of followers. He's also just like a lovely hysterical human being and I'm really glad that he's <laughs> making a name for himself. <laughs> Well I done. love on the these instas. people that are just famous because they're on Instagram or Twitter mm-hmm. or, you know, there's, I don't want to say they don't have talent. I don't want to say that at well, all. Well, it requires but a certain... I, yeah, but it's just like, it's crazy how you can become famous now from Instagram or YouTube mm-hmm. or Twitter. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be, like, just lucky enough to be in an audience performing somewhere and then you just happen to be discovered anymore. Yeah. It's like, oh... I can be viewed 23 million times. Well, it's a little bit of the same. I mean, it's, you have the kind of like a, a little bit of a journalistic streak, I would say. Yeah. If you know what you're doing on Twitter and Insta and you mm-hmm. kind of know what the, got your finger on the pulse. Yeah. He, I mean, he also in college, so we did like, DePaul does this thing where they write a play for the incoming freshmen that teaches them about DePaul and like it's really weird it's okay. <laughs> the kids love it though we had like let's have a kiki like the Whoa. at one point in the show but I stage manage it dance. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but he was in it and at the time he he and a friend of his were on the cover of the reader mm-hmm. because he wanted to um do a, he wanted to create like a very low-key porno but like only use people that he found on Craigslist. And it was oh. this really interesting. I don't know whatever oh. happened to it, but he like got picked up by the reader. And I just nice. remember in that moment being like, this guy is so smart. And so like interest, like interesting about what, he, what projects he's picking and is a really cool artist and something, something big is going to happen. And now he has like 20,000 followers on Twitter. And That's pretty cool. Yeah. You should tell him to listen to the show that you I talked should. about. Him. <laughs> oh. So then maybe he'll post something and you're like, Instantly, famous. look at you trying to ride some <laughs> coattails. I'll ride your coattails no matter how long they are. <laughs> um, okay, but we have another question here. Um, there's two more questions. Cool. This is, I just made these up, I just pulled them. Like, I tried to like find something, but these are kind of cliche. But, um, if you were to pass away today, what would you want to be remembered for? Being unapologetically outspoken and just being bold and sometimes an asshole but you know <laughs> what about you adam um 
being the greatest actor ever. <laughs> oh my God. Um, he is very good, though. I'm, I've seen Adam. Well, he is good. I've seen him, too. Mm-hmm, thank like you. He's a good singer, too. Oh, shucks. <laughs> um, no, I think I'd want to be remembered for being a good dog father. Aww. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I changed my mind. I want to be that, too. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, like, I just want to be remembered, like, just as being a nice person and someone mm-hmm. that had a voice. And obviously there's like 10 years of recording of my life. So I think it would be cool. Like in 150 some years, someone to say, Oh, there's this person named Ricky that lived 150 <laughs> years ago who talked about periods and farts a lot or whatever. You know? <laughs> What's podcasting? Right, I've right. never heard I of that have before. Yeah, yeah. It's so in the future that, podcasts aren't even a thing anymore they won't even right. know what a vhs is they'll right. be like they won't like think about that vhs's and and pay phones right never we used to stop at a payphone on our way home from school and call like 900 numbers just to like hear the like the heavy breathing and dirty That's talk before they'd voice. be like oh like enter God. your credit card there was one that was like one 900 hot duck uh-huh Oh. And I don't know what that was about, like why it was hot duck. It probably spelled something else. Do you think it was like Howard the Duck or something? I don't think oh so. But it was like we would call, we would call like the the hot duck number, and we would just pass the phone around That's a in very... front of the drugstore. Oh, it's a very niche <laughs> fetish, and you know right. what? You do you. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I can tell you where to get some really good hot duck in my neighborhood <laughs> on Argyle. It's basically Ooh. like across the street. <gasps> yeah. You, yeah, you have a lot of good <laughs> hot oh, duck in your neighborhood. Like, seriously, I used to support Tank Noodle. Like, I was there like three days a week. I love Tank Noodle. Oh, it was horrible. I mean, it was excellent food. Right, right, right. Horrible for my income. Mm-hmm. Um. If time and money were no object, what do you feel is the most important social issue you would change? Oh, my God. Which I, you kind of mentioned it, I think, earlier. But what do you think the most important issue is that you could change? Mm, there's so many. Um, so this is going to be a little selfish. I would do the arts. Because, because the arts open a lot of hearts and minds and Mm. i feel like like i hate i hate that people are saying now that trump is president that will create such good art out of out of like being so oppressed and stuff like this and it's like no like i mean like yes we will but also like we create good art no matter what is happening in our country because there's always problems like like i love obama but there's some things he did that i was like not the biggest fan of and like but like but the arts really changed my life and like made me a much better person and also opened my eyes to a lot of things. Like I, I saw side note, I saw Laramie project when I was, I think 10 years old. My mother Mm. did not know what the show was. We like bought a subscription to La Jolla playhouse and we saw our town there because they did our town and Laramie in the same season, which was like brilliant programming yeah. in my opinion. And she just thought, oh, it's like a it's like a new version of our town. <laughs> and we see it. And I was 10 and she was like, oh, shit, what did I just take my kid to? But I kid you not, I was walking out of that theater and it was cool because it was pretty much the entire original cast of that first production. Mm-hmm. And I just was blown away by like the idea of of hate um, and that someone could do this to another human being, no matter who they are or how they define themselves. And then also just like the idea of, of this radicalized storytelling at that time, which was so radical. 
um, and just social justice and using that as a platform in the arts. So yeah, I would say arts because it's helped me a lot and I think it'll help a lot of other people. That's probably what I was going to say as well. <laughs> I'd probably also have a big old farm with a bunch of dogs. I was I was going to say mine would be like environment related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, if we don't got the earth, we don't got anything. Truth. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. I mean, the lady that I was talking about with the watchtower. Yes. She was talking about how she didn't believe in global warming. Oh, God. Okay, there's some things that Uber and Lyft drivers should not talk about. And that's that because you sound like an idiot. No, I complained and got my money back when my driver was talking about how much he loved Trump. And I was just like, I was (laughs) like, I don't think this is the place for politics. I don't think unless they bring it, unless I bring it up, like I, which I try not to. Um, but like they gave me back my money because I was like, I felt really (laughs) uncomfortable. I felt judged and scared. And yeah. And there's just like, Okay, there's things that you talk about with people that you know, and mm-hmm. things you talk about with people that are strangers. I that wouldn't you even drop that like... watchtower business if no. I didn't know somebody. Mm-mm. Oh right. no! Like that's just—it's so awkward. I would just I'm, be like, "How I do you guess... feel about birthdays?" <laughs> and and caffeine. Oh my god! Yeah, I actually have a friend who's an ex Jehovah's Witness, who's like parents were a part of like the head leadership of that no church, shit. who then came out as gay and is now like a radicalized lawyer living in San Francisco working for the ACLU. So like, oh my god. Yeah. yeah, but like I remember hearing these crazy stories when he was still a Jehovah's Witness, yeah. being like, "Happy birthday, Nick!" Because we have the same exact birthday, and he'd be like, "Thank you," and I'd just be like, "Oh, you." I went to school yeah. with a kid, and we were actually in musicals together, and they're not supposed to dance mm-hmm. i think it's like a thing like footloose or something. yeah <laughs> yeah and so like um when he was in the musical like it would be like weird like we'd have to like do like blocking things so like he wouldn't be like dancing or whatever but like he'd have to like go sit somewhere when we would have like cupcakes for people's birthdays yeah and, like, i remember being like in third grade and there was a girl like that was at a time like when they still like did Valentine's Day. I don't know if they still do that. In oh, they do. And Christmas parties yeah, yeah, and yeah, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Um, but I remember her having to go out in the hallway. And I went out there with her one time and sat next to her in the hallway. Because I felt like yeah. I, went, I didn't understand mm-hmm. because I was like, right. you know, in third grade. But yeah. I was like, well, I don't think she should sit out there alone that's kind of sad yeah but also then you know you can't really explain to third graders what's happening right you kind of i kind of felt like she was in trouble for doing something right which i then i kind of feel like like parents are kind of horrible i think because (laughs) it's like you should let the child do what they want to do yeah and once they're 18 or, you know, just let them do what they want to do. Why do you force them to go to like a church and go by your rules mm-hmm. when they may not even, it's uncomfortable for them, Yeah, you know? It's already so. hard enough to be a Jew in a public school, let alone be a Jehovah's Witness in right. a public school. Like, <laughs> And my best friend, her husband was a Jehovah's Witness, or he would grew up in that like system or religion. And he still as like a 40 some year old male is still having issues. He even has children with it. And Mm -hmm. his birthday was also around Christmas. So it's like, you know, you're like happy birthday. And you know, for what, 20 some years, he he never heard that. Like that wasn't a part of his life. I was like, interesting. I know a lot of, um, gay ex-mormons actually in Chicago. So we can have them on the show too. Oh my God. That, I think that would be, very like interesting yeah yeah 
and like learn some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend who actually his parents went after he came out, like tried to send him to one of those conversion camps. <gasps> oh, my, did he go? He, I mean, they like literally threw him in a van and like no. took him and then he left and like now he's married to a man and they actually came to the wedding. Oh, but like, but still That's traumatic. Yeah. No, I That's mean, they're crazy. Shit. They're, and he's very forgiving. And he's, I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean, I would forgiving. literally, I don't know what I would do. My mom wouldn't do it, but if I had a parent who did, I'd be like, you're, you're cut off. You're shut off. Yeah, that's like know. too far. Yeah, like my mom tried to make me come out to our priest, and our priest was <gasps> definitely gay. Mm-hmm. Um, as one of our listeners will know, because they, you, one of our listeners randomly knows my growing up like hometown priest. Whoa. Um, it was super eerie, like, but cool. Yeah, at the same small time. world, but like, um, I was like, really come out to father dennis because i'm pretty sure he's gonna be like hey girl (laughs) welcome to the dark side i know you get a toaster (laughs) having gone to like a catholic school for the majority of my life and then gone to catholic college i think it's funny when people freak out that we have we have a priest at depaul who teaches in the lgbtq studies program and everyone's like why is that and i'm like you know priests are attracted to people before they become priests right and some of those people are men so like it's just baffling me they've been like that's shocking why do they have to be i'm like that's mm, not that shocking i right? just read that um the pope is actually thinking of letting married um clergy people mm-hmm. into the church yeah and to be able to be a priest but yet they won't allow a woman to be a priest right i think that's weird yeah well is there like a cl- in the catholic system is there a clergy version for a woman no no, no. Not, than... not even like a deaconess or no. Anything? no 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 oh you're God. just that's a nun horrible. you're just a nun yeah you're just a nun like that's not that like just a nun no. like being a nun is a big deal no there are some pretty cool nuns out there yeah. my like mom the... wanted to be a nun until she found out you couldn't do it oh <laughs> Well, she had, like, my family grew up, like, weirdly, relatively very Catholic, even though they weren't, like, historically Catholic. Mm -hmm. I think, apparently, like, my grandparents started having kids, and my grandmother was like, well, I guess we have to pick a religion. And my my grandfather was like, Roman Catholic it is. So, but my mom had a praying nun, like, music box growing up Mm -hmm. that sang Dominique, which is a famous, like, song by a singing nun, actually. And um, she was like, oh, it's so beautiful. She looks so peaceful. This is what I want to do when I grow up. And then they were like, you know, you can't do it, right? And she was like, oh, never mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Deal breaker. My great grandpa, like, told my mother when a few years after I was born, because I, I was lucky enough to know him for three years, and then I think three or four years, and then I knew my great grandma as well. But he was like, I, I think Catherine will become a nun. And my mother was like, <laughs> horrified. She was like, no. <laughs> She's like, well, she'll do whatever she wants to do, <laughs> but uh, but I love my great grandpa. But it was just like was like, I think she was worried that it was actually like a premonition that he was like like gonna predict the future for right. me. He was like, well, okay. Well, I'm glad you're not a nun. I'm glad I'm not. Well, a nun we could too. have a nun on the show. That would be interesting. <gasps> yeah. There's although I don't know any nuns. I could probably scare one up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I wanted to say thank you, Catherine, for being on the show. Yay, Catherine. And I think you provided a lot of education to some of our listeners, to me as well. Mm -hmm. And we hope that you'll come back one day. I would love to. Thank you, guys. All right. So this is episode 724. This is Ricky. This is Adam. This is Catherine. Have a good day. Bye, Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you for getting foul with foul monkeys, and we hope you enjoyed the show. 
You can send feedback, dick pics, or marriage proposals to foulmonkeys at gmail.com. You can also leave us sexy messages or some really heavy breathing at 863-666-0377. Ask us questions and interact with us on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at foulmonkeys. You can also join us over at the Facebook page where things can get really, really dirty. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Open on the left at Fullerton. How about Chicago? I could be there.